This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 5th of December 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anyone working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Dave, and here is my co-host, Jon. Hello, Dave. At least I'm hey, awake today. Sure. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Yeah, but are you awake? Well, mostly. Mm, I've, there's been some yawning going on in the background as far as I can tell, but let's not go in there because we've got people waiting. And we have a fun-packed day ahead of us, so let's go to it. Yep. So we have a special guest here today. We have Matteo and CG, both from uh, Streamlio, here to... Uh, talk to us about Apache Pulsar. Now, for those that may remember, we uh, Apache Pulsar came up in one of our news episodes, and Jon mm-hmm. uh, and I talked about it um, with some interest. It's something that uh, I think I do vaguely remember it being announced about uh, just over a year ago, um, but uh, it sort of started popping up in the news more recently, and. Uh, the uh, the folks from Streamlio reached out to us and said, "Hey, if we'd we'd like to know more, they could uh, connect us with some very fine people that would educate us." And uh, this is the result. So, first of all, greetings and and welcome to the Roaring Elephant Podcast, Matteo and CG. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, um, do you guys want to want to introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about you and and what you do. Um, so, Matteo, do you want to go first? Sure. So I'm I'm Matteo Merli, and uh, I be, I'm one of the co-creators of Pulsar, and have been working at Yahoo for several years, and I've been working mostly on database replication systems and messaging system various uh, iteration of messaging flavors of messaging systems over the years, and uh, yeah, been working on Pulsar, and now I'm working at Streamio, and I'm still working on Pulsar and and Bookkeeper. All right, fantastic. And uh, CJ. Hey, uh, I'm CJ. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Streamlio. Uh, before Streamlio, uh, I was work. I, I was working for a Twitter and a messaging group. Uh, at Twitter, we uh, I was leading the messaging group for building the messaging infrastructure at Twitter. Before joining at, at Twitter, I worked for Yahoo uh, mobile infrastructure. And we were using Apache Bookkeeper for the push notification infrastructure. Uh, I'm kind of active in the open source area around uh, Apache uh, Bookkeeper and also Apache Pulsar. Yep, that's All right. it. Perfect, perfect. So, um, you know, Streamlio is, is both of your, your guys' current employer. So what, what sort of picture does Streamlio uh, play into this story? So. Uh, what we are trying to build a streamio basically is a real-time solution that integrates multiple components to, to provide a, a seamless uh, experience on the real-time solution. So for that, we integrate uh, messaging, compute, and stream storage. Mm-hmm. And we and for messaging component, in this case, is Pulsar. And for compute, we use uh, Heron from Twitter. And um, and for stream storage, is Apache Bookkeeper. Okay, so it's not really the case that Streamlio is the uh, commercial counterpart for Apache Pulsar, where Pulsar is the open source part and Streamlio is the, you can get an SLA and support from us for for Pulsar. You do more than just Pulsar then. Yes, the the product is is is, uh, is combining multiple components and and 
and unifying, basically providing a, a unified product that is internally built on top of these projects. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So what, what do you guys specifically do at Streamlio? Are you programmers? Are you architects? Are you the boss? <laughs> Well, we do everything. <laughs> so you're the boss. No... <laughs> Welcome to small startup. <laughs> yes. Okay. No details. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have how long have you both been uh, both been involved in Pulsar then? Um, well, I was involved since, since the beginning. Hmm? Uh, and, uh, so even before that, we we were we were like uh, working on uh, other machine system that that basically from what had been evolved into Pulsar later. So from 2011 and, uh, okay. and so on. So what the, the current Pulsar incarnation basically was, was starting around 2013, 2014. Okay. So what, what sort of, what started that, that Pulsar journey? Um, you know, what, what was, what were you unhappy with in the existing, um, you know, existing set of tools that were available? So there were like few reasons, right? So, uh, the at Yahoo, like many of the architects and uh, and, the, um, and 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 people, they they, they, they they realized that there were like many teams that were trying to do the same thing, and that was deploying messaging systems for each use case. And mm-hmm. uh, all the time, it was done by like each team individually uh, was was trying to figure out how to deploy, how to monitor, how how which hardware to use. How to fix it when it was breaking out and so on, and uh, and most cases it was around ActiveNQ. Some cases it was around uh, uh, Kafka, but the consistent story was that there there was not a lot of insight knowledge on how to operate these systems. And uh, for small use cases it was fine, but for for the most critical uh, use case at Yahoo it was not really working, not for a scaling perspective, and uh, there was like. N- but also like for the operational wise. So the, the, the first realization was that uh, we had to, we need to have a, a single team supporting the, the whole messaging infrastructure mm-hmm. and offering that as a service so that you can have one single team that has the oper- operational knowledge and it can uh, iterate and improve, improve, improve the system and uh, knows how to operate this. And for the other teams that want to focus on product, they, they should just use that as a platform. The same way that we had uh, like databases as a, as a platform at Yahoo uh, or like all these other service pla- platform services, it made sense to have that messaging as well. Okay, so it was it was basically it was designed as a as a multi-tenant service to be consumed from the very outset. That's correct, and uh, and if you start with that premise, then uh, a lot of design cho- choices come from that from there, right? Um, mm-hmm. So if you start designing for multi-tenants, you have to basically and for a company as big as Yahoo, uh, you you start you need to think about like really. Uh, how the operation, operational part, how is that played, and uh, well, multi tenancy, but also like how can how can you effectively can isolate different tenants so that, that they don't interfere with, between each other? For example, right? It's not just yeah. accords; is is also like uh, some bit more uh, deep level of isolation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay, so. Um, for for someone that uh, that hasn't ever uh, heard of uh, Apache Pulsar before, um, how would you describe Apache Pulsar to somebody? 
So it's basically a, a PubSub uh, messaging system. And mm -hmm. uh, PubSub, I mean, is a fairly known uh, concept. Uh, you have topics and you can subscribe to topics and you can publish on topics and uh, consume from this sub subscription. So that's, that's a very well model, very well known model. Mm -hmm. For example, like uh, we, we use the same concept that we're uh, exposing, for example, in JMS, which is kind of uh, well established over the decades. And yep. uh, so, like in JMS, what JMS offers you is is topics and queues. So that's the same abstraction that we offer in a in a different uh, a different twist. We have unified top, topics and queues in the same concept, but that's the that's what you use as a as a developer, right? And um, now that's the that's how you you uh, use the system um, as an as an API perspective. The model uh, from uh, imp implementation uh, is a uh, it, it is a bit different than traditional PubSub systems in mm -hmm. that mm. it is based on a on a distributed log storage, which is a Apache Bookkeeper. Okay, I was gonna, I was going to get onto onto Bookkeeper. Um, next, actually, I mean, the, what, what's the relationship between Pulsar and, and Bookkeeper? They seem to be fairly, fairly integral to each other. Uh, yeah, sure. So, I don't know, Siji, maybe want to, to take this one? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think uh, the way I view uh, Apache Pulsar, it, uh, like how it, it is different from any other messaging system, is I think Pulsar is a distribute uh, PubSub system that it actually try to, as what Matteo said, try to provide a very flexible traditional traditional messaging and unify the uh, queue in PubSub in the same model with the same API. But it's actually backed by uh, a highly scalable distribute uh, log storage. Uh, in that sense, is uh, Pulsar it actually uh, present an architecture that try uh, separate the uh, messaging serving from the storage itself, because we see uh, the the problem of existing uh, messaging system is it couples the uh, messaging serving together with messaging storage. That means if you want to uh, scale one thing. You have to mm -hmm. scale the whole stuff. It doesn't uh, get into a very scalable uh, yeah. solution for a very large organization, especially if you want to address things, uh, features like for enterprise, like enterprise grade features like multi tenancy and also uh, IO isolation, of, uh, avoid uh, rights, impact reads, things like that. It's really hard if you combine both serving and uh, storage together. And the, the pattern we see uh, in the Pulsar, uh, the, the architecture pattern that we use in the Pulsar is actually, uh, we did a sim very similar thing at, at Twitter's architecture. We also use Bookkeeper as a fundamental distributed log storage to power uh, every, almost everything like database uh, messaging system. And uh, the separation of the serving and the storage it, uh, actually give you um, many benefits that you can scalable, uh, you, you have the independent scalability. If you want to uh, serving more uh, subscribers, more focus on re um, messaging, you can drop in more brokers, which is a portfolio that it focus on the message dispatching. If you mm -hmm. want to keep data for much longer time, and if you want to uh, 
just uh, drop in uh, more storage node. You can just uh, add more storage node on uh, Bookkeeper. And also because it's separate and the messaging broker itself, it's kind of stateless. And it doesn't keep any state along with the uh, the broker itself. So if you want to shifting traffic around it very quickly, especially in the multi-tenant uh, cluster, if a tenant became bad, you can quickly shifting the traffic uh, into some a subset of the broker and just isolate this bad tenant from other tenants. That is very flexible. And because it's a, a separation, uh, you can also configure your uh, placement policy to say for this given set of topic, I want to place the data for a given subset of storage node. So that, mm -hmm. that actually gives you a lot of benefit. I hope this sort of uh, clarified the relationship between Pulsar yeah. and uh, Bookkeeper. Yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, Bookkeeper is the underlying storage layer. Pulsar is the the messaging layer um, yes. on top. One thing you mentioned around uh, around the multi tenancy and you know, being able to allocate, um, you know, certain certain workloads to a subset of nodes. Can you can you do it as a, a just a percentage of capacity? Or is it always, you know, so many nodes for this tenant and so many nodes for other another tenant? Or can you just say use the whole cluster, but or use a percentage of the overall cluster? Uh, uh, Matteo, I think you you can expand this better. I'll just hand this yeah. to you. Yeah. So there is no. So, in a way, at the hardware isolation, let's say that isolating these tenants to these set of brokers is mm -hmm. some kind of operational uh, tool, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to use that always, but it's something that is very useful for if some, something is happening. For example, if there's an outage uh, or if this tenant is doing something unexpected and uh, and uh, is causing issue to other tenants, for example. Yeah. So typically we want to have different layers of protection in that case. And, and if that's not, 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 not enough as a last resort, you can always do that, right? So, um, there is no concept of percentage is more like you can just say that this broker X, Y, and Z, this tenant is confined to these brokers. Got and it. what you can do is that if, if these are not available, then you can have a, a subset of secondary brokers that are maybe from, from a shared pool. So you, there are different concepts of pools of brokers. Uh, excellent. Okay. Okay. So this has obviously been, um, you know, you mentioned sort of this originally kicked off around, you know, the ideas around this kicked off around uh, 2011 and sort of really around 2013 and 14, uh, you know, Pulsar sort of came more to the forefront. Um, wh why do you think that this was particularly, um, you know, something that, that, developed beyond that you know what why do you think this that sort of came to the apache software foundation why did that uh, start to make more sense oh so um so what we what we realized that so once we we we, we get to basically uh to production into yahoo we realized that the the, the API and the messaging model and, uh, and the platform itself were very useful and many teams at Yahoo were very uh, happy, happy with it, with the 
how it is it was to integrate the the process with the, with the platform and uh, so we thought that that was a very useful model and uh, that and that we that, that's why we, we took the effort to open source the the, the project and um, and uh, and the idea was since, since the beginning to basically not make that as a as a Yahoo only project, but to just to transition the project to the Apache Foundation to basically to have a, like a more uh, shared uh, uh, ownership and and uh, and an established model of participation to the project. Perfect. Yeah, and you already had some experience with Apache from the Bookkeeper uh, project, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, we we've been uh, me and CG been, been collaborating before on on Bookkeeper as well, so that's. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it was the, the natural uh, outcome for uh, natural house for the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Bookkeeper has been around for a while, right? Because they're at version 4.5 at the moment, if I look at the documentation site. Yeah, that's correct. So, yes. yeah. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so Bookkeeper as well was, was born as a Yahoo Labs project and basically was a, a sub project of Zookeeper initially and then it basically oh. got. Uh, it goes on uh, as a project on, on its own. I didn't know that. I actually had a question about that because when I looked at your site for the quick start tutorial, uh, it sets up a cluster that has uh, Pulsar brokers, some bookkeeper bookies, I love the name, and also three <laughs> Zookeeper nodes. Uh, what does Zookeeper do specifically in the, the Pulsar environment? So Zookeeper in our case is used basically for coordination mm-hmm. and uh, and some kind of met- metadata is stored in Zookeeper. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what is based the last thing I didn't uh, get? So, coordination and me- metadata. Metadata, okay. So you're not using it for... I mean, when, when you have multiple brokers, do I always use the API to speak to one particular broker? Or do I speak to Zookeeper and it will get the, the, the free broker for whatever I'm looking for? So, the the there is no client interaction with Zookeeper. So, all, the clients only interact with, with brokers. Mm-hmm. I looked at the. I've been looking through the blogs that you guys wrote. You wrote a lot of blogs, by the way. Too many for me to read in one day. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that with the broker system, you have some partitioning going on as well, where some events, if I can call it that, uh, get stored on the first broker. Some go on the second broker. Some go on the third broker. Uh, this is, mm-hmm. So not every broker has access to all data. That would mean because even the, the little arrows going to the bookkeeper uh, instances also went specifically to those brokers. So a consumer, how does a consumer know where the next part of the stream is? How does that interaction work, or do we have do I don't simply not care? So there are multiple layers there, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're referring to the to the storage itself, or so because we have. Partitioning at different layers. So, mm-hmm. uh, we in Porsa you have concept of partitions. So you can create a partition topic, and you can say I want to have uh, sixteen partitions, and basically this is more driven by the client. So the client basically create n partitions, and from your application abstractions, what you have is you have a single logical topic internally. This is composed by multiple partitions. You have ways. To specify some routing, say that based on on, on key hashing or some other uh, me- mechanisms to to make sure that all messages with the same key goes to the same partition for other ordering purposes. And uh, in this case, that the consumer will will know. So you can you can have different way to consume from a partition topic. You can uh, basically consume from all the partitions, or you can basically assign uh, a single consumer to a single partition. Mm-hmm. These kind of things you can. 
do uh, all sorts of things. Uh, maybe it's like one step back. Why would I partition? Mm-hmm. What's the advantage of a partitioning system? So, um, partitioning is basically is a way to 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 scale the throughput of a single topic uh, beyond the capacity of a single broker. Um, it is more. It's it's just based that that. A single broker, even if you use 10, 10 gig networks, you have an, an the, the the bandwidth that you can mm-hmm. use on the broker. I mean, once you max it out, then you cannot yeah. scale it more. So if you have a, a very, if you have a, a use case in which you have a single channel, a single logical topic, right? Mm-hmm. And um, for example, you, you are aggregating, uh, I don't know, like um, logs from thousands of machines, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you have a single topic, which is my my log, something, and um, the the traffic on the on this topic might be might be beyond the mm-hmm. ten gigabytes, mm-hmm. ten, ten gigabits per second, right? So you you might not be able to do that on a single topic. Mm-hmm. That's why you just partition it and um, and and you can spread it across multiple brokers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then the producer would kind of decide that, okay, line one goes to partition one, line two, partition two, line three, partition three, and 12 till 10, and go back to one, just around the Robin system. But any consumer can, would then have to know this as well, right? And take that into account. Oh, yeah, but this is all handled internally by the client library. So okay. the application application doesn't need to worry about that. Okay. That's what I wanted to know, because I was looking at the introduction to the Apache Pulsar PubSub messaging platform blog. <laughs> it mm-hmm. has a nice uh, graphic there, and this part wasn't clear to me. So thank you for explaining that to me. Uh, okay. I did learn. <laughs> yeah. I actually want to uh, trim in uh, mm-hmm. around the partition. Is, uh, I think... Uh, uh, in Pulsar, uh, the, 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 the partition that we, the, the, the existence of partition is more trying to, uh, address the throughput on the, uh, on, the, on the published side rather than on the consumer side. In, in the well known, uh, like, uh, like, uh, people known like the Kafka system, like people increase partition is in the purpose of, uh, they try to increase the uh, consumption. But that is sort of being, uh, I think this has been, uh, mis- misunderstood or like mis, like really being played, uh, very badly for a messaging use case. It's basically, uh, the separation, uh, uh, for, from consumer side, like what people really want is ability to scale the number of the, uh, consumptions beyond the number of the partitions. Mm-hmm. Is because uh, uh, a lot of the use case is what they really want is using a messaging as uh, as a message bus, event bus, or like data bus, like mm-hmm. try to transfer data very quickly. And the limitation on uh, the model of the Kafka is the number of the consumption is really bound by number of partitions. Mm-hmm. That intro- that actually introduced a, a problem because it tied with the number of partitions for publish uh, mm-hmm. with the number of partition for consume. So means in the PubSub model, if you have multiple uh, subscriptions or like multiple team want to consume from same uh, uh, same topic, they might have different speed on consuming the data. Mm-hmm. So actually what is the right number to choose for the uh, partition is is it would be different from the 
different consumers. Yep. So providing a ability to scale the number of the subscription, uh, number of the consumers be beyond the number of partition would actually really, I would say this is really good or uh, like mm -hmm. really what uh, an organization that have uh, multiple uh, user consume from some central or uh, like some common topics that is really useful because uh, people can decide how they want to scale the consumer, not limited by the number of partition of a system. Yeah. And the, uh, the number of partitions should only be care if a single uh, broker cannot support the traffic or yeah. it already hits the limit of uh -huh. the hardware. So th this is something I want to uh, chime in around partitions yeah. because people uh, sometimes really confused about the, the partition model here. Yeah, yeah, great, great. And you also mentioned the uh, concept of the subscription. I don't think we've talked about that one yet. Yeah. So, uh, 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 Matteo, do you want to uh, chime in about the subscription model? Sure. Um, so if you look at the definition of PubSub, right, uh, just traditional messaging, you have the concept of you have publisher and subscription, right? So, mm -hmm. And the sub subscription is defined as uh, you subscribe to a topic and the subscription is durable. So from the moment you get the subscription, you, you, you're going to, Basically, the data will be retained whether you're, if, if, if you're consuming, then the, you're, you're consuming. If you're not consuming, then the data is, is being retained, right? So, um, if you, so th this is different from a, a, a like a, a, a streaming, uh, or, or like a log based system in which you, you have to maintain your own position mm -hmm. and you read from whatever you want. So, uh, oh. it's, it's a, it's a, it's more traditional pub sub, right? So you don't have to maintain the position in the client side. I just have description and the pulsar keeps per subscription where that reader is at the in the stream or something. Correct, and it's not okay. just the storage. The storage of it, right, is the, is is effectively that the broker is the broker knows where the exactly. consumer is a, a, a is at point, so that when that's all good. consumers move move forward, it can delete the data, for example, Im immediately. Yeah, but that's also or, important if, if a consumer crashes for some reason, has to re reinitialize itself. In a lot of situations, you just have to start reading again at some point and catch up again. So this is this uh, solves that problem quite nicely. Correct. And you're, and you're guaranteed that the data will, will be there. Not, it's not just yeah. based on, on time, right? So if, if you say, I want to I, I want to retain my data for six hours, mm -hmm. uh, which we which we can do on top on top of it. Uh, but anyway, mm -hmm. but uh, if you if you just rely on on retention time, then you if you have an outage, you have to say, okay, I have to fix it in six hours, or mm -hmm. I'm gonna lose my all, all my data, right? Uh, might I then go to my bookkeeper nodes and tell them, uh, okay, I'm in trouble. Keep it for 24 now, or is that too hard to change? No, so in, in, with the subscription model, you have a subscription, so the subscription is there, so the data will not be deleted unless you move you move on. Okay. Right? Okay. 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 Oh, great. And that's also like the the difference that like in a, in a multi-tenant system is that so if you have a, a single a single topic a single use case it doesn't really matter because so let's say that um, I have I I have a storage capacity to keep let's say the last twenty four hours of data right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you can say, okay, I'll always keep 24 hours of data, and then I have 24 hours of fixing the outage, right? Um, but um, let's say that you have uh, the 10, 10 tenants on, on, on the systems, right? Um, 
you might not be able to retain 24 hours for all of them, but you might be able to retain 24 hours for one of them, for example, or for three of them. So if you, if you, if you normally delete the data, right? But if somebody has an outage, you can, uh, with the subscription, you, you basically, you start accumulating. You can basically dedicate the whole storage for, for this user, for example, yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. So you don't need to have, it's like, it's, it's like an insurance policy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you cannot have every, everyone use, uh, get the, get the claim for the, from, from the insurance, but you can have few, few, few users to, yeah. to, to do it. Yeah. And of course, your, your storage capacity is going to be limited by the size of your bookkeepers, but I've read that uh, they also have several policies where you can either decide to stop accepting uh, events or start aging off stuff, right? That, that's correct. So you, you can apply that for, for each tenant and each yeah. So it's, it's a each, each namespace. So each mm -hmm. tenant can have multiple namespaces and you can have <laughs> different trade-offs for instance. Why do people always make it so complicated? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Is is that, that the, the word you're looking for, Jan, is flexible? I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love and, it. Uh, and the idea is that you can. So once you are onboarded as a tenant, then you can basically do whatever you want for for this tenant. The idea yeah. is that you can create your own spaces without interacting with the with the with the admin yeah, yeah, yeah. of a sort, right? Yeah, that's great. Now, one more thing, perhaps, uh, to finish off the, the pure technical part of it. Uh, on the little image I've got in front of me, you've got three types of subscription, exclusive, shared, and failover. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, sure. So, exclusive is the uh, is the basically is the same cost of, of DMS topics, right? So, in DMS topics, you have topics and sub subscription, and you can only have one consumer that is consuming from that subscription. And this consumer basically is re receiving all the messages in, in the same order as they were produced. Um, so this basically is is like j just in-order messaging. And you're guaranteed that only one consumer is allowed to consume. Mm -hmm. um, failover is similar, but it's uh, you can you can attach multiple consumers, though only one will be actively receiving messages. So you still have ordering. But you can you, you can you, you can do some some quick failover, right? So if this is this consumer is that is act, currently active is is disconnected, then some other will be promoted. Mm -hmm. And failover is interesting if you have partitions because if you do that on a partition topic, basically the assignment of who's active and, and who's not is decided at a per partition level. Yeah. So ef effectively, what happens is that uh, the the if you have end consumers, basically they will be consuming from the same share of partitions mm -hmm. in, or, in in order. Yeah. Uh, well, so but finally, the the share subscription is is a is is more similar to a to a queue model, right? So in a queue, you can you can attach multiple consumers on this share subscription, and um, each of them will receive a fraction of the messages. Yeah. That's more of a load balancing thing then. Yeah, so it's, it's basically round-robbing distribution, yeah. and um, and so you can have consumers with different uh, uh, processing speed and uh, 
messages are not being delivered in order at that point because if one consumer is uh, goes down, then messages are going to be replayed to the other consumers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the picture shows uh, two consumers in that case, but I'm assuming you can have as many as you want to any certain reasonable degree. Oh yeah, we we at the in production there are cases with the thousands or tens of thousands of consumers. So that's uh, um, so it and the. the Thing that we, that we, that we saw and uh, and in I, I mean with the with the experience that, that initially we were expecting like most of use cases to fall down into the uh, order consumer model, mm-hmm. but many use cases actually don't require strict ordering. Like if you True. have I don't know uh, yeah. online uh, requests, you don't, you don't need ordering in process in, process, in processing them, right? So mm-hmm. and most most cases they yeah, were falling into in, in the field. So the most pop- popular one was actually the the, the shares subscription yeah, yeah, because yeah. of this yeah because you got fail safe in there you have uh, scalability you have throughput it's, it's yeah it's it's ideal right yeah you, you don't need to 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 increase the number of partition to increase your consumption exactly. uh, right yeah. you just had more consumers yeah, yeah, yeah. great Okay, Dave. Anything else? <laughs> I've been monopolizing no, think, the time a bit. <laughs> I think no, no. It's all good, all good. I think it's uh, it's nice to have the uh, the the detailed technical understanding of exactly how these things pull together. Because all too often you can read a blog and you can see a few diagrams, and you know maybe they get you half the way there but they don't always get give you the whole picture so no really useful yeah, this is one part reason okay. i like doing podcasts because it allows you this kind of direct access more people should do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah we ask the questions for the audience um, all right so I, I think i know i think i know the answer to this question but i'm going to ask going to ask anyway um so in a in an overall big data advanced analytics sort of architecture um, where does where does Pulsar fit into this? You know, we have if you have uh, at the core, maybe you have a, a large Hadoop environment. At the edge, maybe you've got you know endpoint devices sending information. What's where, where does Pulsar fit into the the big picture? Okay, uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I I think. Uh, uh, I think you mentioned age. You, you mentioned uh, Hadoop. Uh, I think uh, we typically see this. Uh, this is a very typical uh, use case that we have been facing is in the IoT uh, like area. Is you have tons of the edges. You want to get data from the edge to a central place like cloud, and. Uh, uh, because uh, Pulsar was this this design a sort of like a geo replication, uh, it it actually has been deployed at Yahoo uh, for replicating da- replicating data between like uh, more than uh, sixteen data centers. So if we see these in an IoT area, it's like individual edges are kind of the small data center, and they are aggregating or replicating the data from the edge to the cloud. And we definitely see uh, uh, the Pulsar has the strengths for uh, like tra- like transform data or replicating data from edge to the cloud. And this is one area that uh, we can see in in the um, uh, the uh, IoT area in the traditional uh, Hadoop uh, in the uh, large of the enterprise. It's more coming from. Uh, uh, 
in the ingestion of a data bus area is used for the data data transforming from your online system uh, back into your offline system. That is the, the connecting point that uh, Pulsar is uh, really good for it. And uh, on my piece is uh, Pulsar is actually uh, provide very flexible matching system. It can be used in uh, like very core uh, business service and a lot of online use case, uh, even database replication between uh, multiple data center. That is uh, the strength that uh, uh, Pulsar has. Uh, I think that is my opinion. Uh, Mateo, if you want to uh, jump in uh, to add more. No, I think that's, uh, that's good. That's a good uh, overview. Uh, when you talk about at the edge, uh, you always have the combination of the broker nodes and the uh, bookkeeping nodes at the same location, right? I can't have my bookkeepings on premise and my broker somewhere in the field. I would assume that gives too much latency to have any kind of usefulness. Uh, yeah, correct. Okay, so an edge uh, situation. You mentioned data center as an edge uh, uh, situation because that okay, data center you have racks, you have chassis, plenty of space, no problem. But uh, a real edge compute, as in at the sensor level, that's not in scope here, right? Not not the, not not the sensor, but you can have a very small deployment. Sorry, say again. You can have you, you can have a, a, a very small deployment that uh, you can basically. Okay, that's a very nice segue. My next question: How? That's my, I'm just writing from my notes yeah. here. How small should the biggest? How big should the smallest install be? How how small can you go? And when does it become useful to use Pulsar? Uh, I mean, you can go as as small as you as you want as you want. So you can have a a, a standalone deployment that is a single process, and uh, and with few tens of of megabytes of RAM that mm -hmm. should work. I mean that's that's all obvious uh, based on, on throughput and, 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 and workloads, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason I'm asking is that uh, from time to time, I meet a customer and they want to install a big Hadoop cluster because they have 20 gigabytes of data. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> so is there some uh, minimum requirement of number of events per second that you would say from if you're in this kind of size or, or the size of the event itself, this from this size on, it, you can really get use from this? I mean, you can always use anything if you want to, if you really like it in your experience with the solution. Yeah, use it everywhere. It's, it's productive. That's good. But if you're new to this, when do you really get the, the, the most uh, productivity benefaction from the Pulsar product, or is there no real limit? I don't know where's the limit, or or like where is oh, the sweet so, spot? <laughs> where's well, sweet spot? Yeah, uh, the one. So I think that one interesting part of like the edge versus cloud uh, deployment is that you can use the same same tools and same API and the, and the same model. Mm -hmm. Whether you are in a in a like a micro data center environment, whether you are in a in a massive cloud with thousands of nodes, right? So that's a, a, you don't have to 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 change the the, the model there. Is it is the same software, but yeah. you can run it and uh, same API, same everything. Yeah, it's kind of a deploy once. Uh, sorry, the develop once, deploy everywhere. Yeah, kind of yeah, the, the old Java, Java motto. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
All right. So what would you say the the, the real strengths of, of Apache Pulsar are um, above and beyond, you know, the you've mentioned a couple of other systems along the way from um, uh-huh. yeah, ActiveMQ or um, Kafka or others. What, what, what are Pulsar's strengths above and beyond those? So um, the, the main differentiators, I, w- I would believe that, uh, well, the, the architecture, that's that the, the way that it, it was uh, designed for the, uh, for large scale, and this is something something that you cannot easily morph or change later. This is something that either you you start that from very clear from from the beginning, or you cannot change later. So, and because of that, uh, if it all becomes of like ease of operations. So there are a lot of tools to basically, or expanding capacity is a very seamless operation or or like replacing a failed node. You don't have to copy data um, manually or any kind of thing. So it's all automated and all very easy to do because it has to be done very frequently. If you have thousands of nodes, like replacing a failed disk is something that happens every couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, um, and um, the other big difference, uh, I would say, that is on the uh, on the durability of the data. So we claim that zero data loss because that the the data is effectively flushed to disk before uh, being acknowledged. So it's not just in page cache and then and replicated. So it is re- re- replicated, but it's, it is also flushed on disk, and and that gives you a different level of reliability. Re- re- uh, of, of the data and that is important for like for critical use cases I'm sure and uh, finally I, yeah I can, I, I can go on for hours but one or 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 a couple more and uh, so the way that bookkeeper storage is is designed is that it has um, is- isolation between the write path and the read path and what give, that gives you is that you you can have consistent and predictable performance on 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 the write and on the read, so that even if you have readers that that, that 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 are like draining a backlog of like old data terabytes and terabytes of old data and they're reading as fast as they can, so basically you are maxing out your read capacity on the on the disks. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have that to that having an impact on on your writers. So mm-hmm. you you don't want to have Increase latency or reduce throughput on on the on the writer, either on the same same topic or in different topics. And uh, that that is very critical for multi-tenancy. And uh, yeah. and um, and uh, and the last one, yeah, yeah, just one last more is that the way Bookkeeper and Pulsar are designed, they they are designed for to scale to a large number of topics. We're talking about in in terms of millions of topics and. This is only possible because how the data is stored in the disk. There is the journaling, there is uh, indexing, there is a lot, lot of very complicated tricks that are are happening there, and uh, and uh, and th- this is all the, the the great value added of, of Bookkeeper, the way that it can store e- efficiently lot of lot of logical logically independent logs, but on the same on, on the same machine. I mean, one of the other elements that seems to be quite a uh, quite a focus for Pulsar seems to be uh, its its strength in in geo replication, um, including 
you know, um, a variety of different methods of, of replicating. And that seems to be one of the areas that, um, you know, some of the other platforms have a, a certain element of weakness. What, what's the, what's the story there? What, what's the, what are the abilities that, uh, for geo replication that people can look at? CG? Uh, so, okay. Uh, uh, so, in terms of like uh, geo replication, uh, we know like in traditional messaging, uh, geo replication is sort of, sorry, I was not, I didn't really see uh, geo replication coming out from traditional messaging, but they might have solution, but I didn't really see that probably just because my limit knowledge. And geo replication is sort of coming up uh, when uh, Kafka, with Kafka, Kafka Mirror Maker. And mm -hmm. this is, uh, uh, the, the the difference that we have here is uh, the Kafka Mirror Maker is sort of an ex external tool, yep. and that you have to run additional additional job, and you need to configure from one direction to the other direction, and the problem really comes up when you want to go uh, from one. Uh, uh, data center to do data center or even three or even more like you have many edges you have to set up a very complicated yeah. uh, uh, you maker uh, you have different configuration to uh, managing the directions the message has been replicated from uh, each other and uh, in Pulsar it's actually done very nicely is because it's a built-in features uh, along with bro broker so you don't need to set up additional um, uh, um, job to run a, a, as a mirror maker to mirror messages and uh, you it's actually just a configuration so you can uh, create namespace say I want to re replicate these the topics under this namespace from class A to B C D so this is sort of a find out replication and you can configure in a way like B C D replicating all the way to A this is aggregate aggregation and if you want to uh, do the uh, active, active, active standby, you can just convict uh, by when how the message you want to flow in from one data center to the other data center. This is all configuration. And you can easily set up a full mesh replication uh, by just like using uh, three command lines. Uh, and that's that, uh, once you do it, all the messages are just flowing through. And this is the uh, sort of the benefits that uh, Pulsar uh, 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 has, and, and this is a built-in feature because uh, uh, it has been designed from day one. It's not an external, so like you build a system, then when you grow the system, uh, I want to build, uh, I want to grow in uh, your use case grow, you have more data center, and then I have to uh, add a new job, which it's kind of a patch mm -hmm. to the yep. the, uh, the bad uh, design. So I think this is the uh, the benefit. And uh, what we, I, I'm talking here is uh, more from asynchronous replication perspective. In some of the financial uh, uh, use case, they want the data sort of be consistent uh, between uh -huh. multiple data center, not losing data. It actually give uh, a pulsar and the combination of pulsar and bookkeeper can actually do that is because bookkeeper actually provide a synchronized uh, replication, which means uh, once you publish a message, uh, the, the bro uh, message broker writing to multiple data center and you wait for majority of the data 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 center acknowledge. So this give you much stronger guarantee. Okay. 
and I would I would have to set these is uh, people might think uh, the synchronous geo replication would impact uh, throughput because uh -huh. of the high latency, but uh, Pulsar actually does this uh, very nicely. Is because it's separation. Uh, so latency in throughput is kind of two separate things. If you do this in the right way. And Pulsar does this is because all the I/O operation are kind of asynchronous, because uh, leveraging the native, which is pow powerful uh, I/O uh, framework or I/O library, so all the messages uh, going into the Pulsar broker are pipelining into the storage node. So while you have uh, a high latency if you do synchronization because of the physical limitation between data centers, mm -hmm. but you can still get very high throughput. Okay. So that, that is, I think that, that is sort of coming from the good architecture because it separates these uh, broker nodes from mm -hmm. the storage node. So you can, you can uh, quickly react uh, any slow data center, uh, data center, or any failed data center. So that's that's sort of the the uh, the the benefits coming out of of the good architecture design. And I think that's that's basically the geo replication I can cover. And Matteo, if you uh, I miss anything, you can jump in. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so you get okay. a very granular and non-blocking synchronous geo-replication functionality with a majority rule. That's that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And built in, as you said, because you're right, the Kafka Mirror Maker, that's, yeah, let's do it twice for the same price and put some scripting around it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it, and, it's uh, always... Actually, yeah, actually I want to uh, add to uh, the uh, because you mentioned ActMQ and also you mentioned Kafka, and I, I was actually trying to uh, to add on one point uh, to what Matteo already said is I think um, uh, I think this is kind of two uh, side things because ActMQ people more using from the online service to handle some kind of small more uh, uh, mastery-wise or like uh, small, uh, like more small uh, granularity uh, use case. And uh, people tend to use Kafka for log aggregation and more streaming or like ordering, ordering uh, messaging. And actually, Pulsar sort of have the both the flexibility to, uh, to uh, it, it works very well for the, uh, the, the space that active MQ uh, works well. Like it has the share subscription model, which it, it's exactly the same as the Q model in ActMQ. And it provides uh, the ability to uh, acknowledge individual messages. And it also because it's uh, fundamental is back on uh, uh, log storage, because it's a log storage optimized for like large sequential append and large sequential read and do uh, very well in the isolation of write in read. So uh, Pulsar also do very well in the in the space that Kafka is doing is you can do uh, the, uh, the streaming uh, and also the in order delivery very well. And uh, another thing is, uh, 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 um, sorry, 
Matteo also mentioned uh, uh, Posa is actually be able to scale to millions of uh, topic uh, in the system. Uh, I think that is sort of a key or uh, like uh, uh, it covers a lot of microservice use case because in, I heard uh, a lot of from customers, they want to do microservice, but they want to use uh, mic uh, a messaging system to tracking some sort of much uh, uh, fine uh, granularity of the topics. In that case, you need uh, a system to be able to scale to millions or even tens of millions of the topic to uh, for microservice. And uh, we actually have a customer is testing Pulsar uh, using five nodes to scale to, uh, I think, 50, uh, I think at least 10 million of the topics. I, I don't remember it's 50 or 10 million of topics using only five nodes. So that is pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. It's a huge number. This, yeah. Okay, uh, let's, that's what the, the two points I want to add to what uh, Matteo said. Ah, great, great, great. <laughs> Perfect. Now, we, uh, let's do bad cop, good cop. I mean, Dave was yeah. good cop asking for the Pulsar <laughs> strengths. I'll be bad cop. Are there any weaknesses yep. we should be aware of for Pulsar? When is Pulsar not advised to be used? I mean, a lot of our listeners are in the architect space, so letting them know when a certain uh, solution fits or doesn't fit is yeah something we like to talk about. Uh, so one thing that is not uh, a good fit, and we, and we saw actually many people trying to do that at Yahoo, was to use that as a database. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. And, Is it uh, better or worse than blockchain for a database? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so that's not the database. Yeah. Uh, is is uh, is a is a messaging uh, mm -hmm. yeah that, that that is flowing um, and uh, that's 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 what it the where the strengths are more uh, other uh, deficiencies. Uh, I mean, we know it's great uh, and it's perfect, but still. <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, I mean, it, it, uh, from uh, Pulsar itself, it tried to fo more focus on messaging, mm -hmm. and uh, people tends to maybe uh, try want to bring more like uh, uh, features into a messaging system, like uh, to become like if you want to do uh, computing or if you want to do other stuff in uh, in Pulsar, definitely not uh, was to do on, on POSA because there's already a very mature solution in the market for different uh, purpose. Just like what Matteo mentioned, uh, you should not use uh, uh, POSA as a database. You should not uh, use POSA to do some sort of, uh, try to building uh, more computing features into mm -hmm. POSA. And uh, that's why I think it's more focused on the matching related yep. to uh, use case, but not try to go beyond this. Uh. It's yeah. a pure and focused, do one thing very well instead of doing everything a little bit kind of okay. Yes, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So no, no ETL being done in the Kafka, in a, sorry, in a Pulsar stream. I know that Kafka tried to do stuff like that and that always was a bit so well. Yeah, yeah we th so we think <laughs> that, that, that there are very, very, very good uh, systems for, for compute platforms. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and there's, I mean, there's, we don't, we don't see a point for, yeah, for yeah, doing yeah. that for in Pulsar itself. 
So, so there's, there's no intention from you guys to rule the world and do everything. No, <laughs> we have limited, limited time, limited skills, and uh, and we try to do what we what yeah, we have more experience on. I think that's very great and very important because scoping your project is always something that's very hard to do because you always want to do a little bit more, and in the end, you have so much feature creep, and uh, yeah, this, the product suffers in the end. Yep. All right, Dave, anything for you? So, I mean, we we consistently. Um, <laughs> obsess over um, a, a particular favorite project of ours, which is Apache NiFi. Um, mm-hmm. Are you, either of you guys familiar with NiFi at all? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Um, how how do you sort of how do you compare and contrast? How does Pulsar fit with NiFi in your in your visions? Yeah, be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I mean, I. Don't have a like, super deep understanding of NiFi. I I I know a bit of it, but in my so in my view is is more focused on on this event processing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Is 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 based on this like complex event processing framework, right? Um, so again, is a way to define your flow and how do you want the data to be basically uh, modified and so on. So we we just provide the the platform to to build something like that or, or on, on top of it, right? Is, uh, I think it is, is, is one, one level, level down in the, in the, in the abstraction level, layer. Yeah. So yes. you're, you're really, you're really purely focused on the, on the pub sub side of things. Whereas, you know, NiFi is more about, you know, a variety of different routing Based on what's happening Correct. within in, within individual messages, whereas you are purely focused on that pub sub use case. So you you, you can build like a, a routing uh, engine and uh, ETL and all kind of stuff on top on top of it. But uh, I mean, the, the what we what we focus is is providing a very reliable, very high performance and scalable platform for for messaging. And and once you have that, and you can. Take that as a given for to build things on top on top of it, then it makes it makes many things much easier. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the one of the questions around this was, and we've we've hinted to this along the way, um, was the the hardware requirements for 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 Pulsar. What are we What are we typically, or what are enterprises typically looking at uh, when they're deploying Pulsar? So for personal brokers, there is nothing, uh, especially required is, uh, is basically mostly you want to maximize the network. So you want to make sure that, that you're on, on 10 gig NICs, uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that you, you can get more, uh, advantage of, because it's, it's mostly network, network bound, uh, for, for brokers, uh, for, for bookies is, uh, the, 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 the key part is, is a disk. So it's always commodity hardware. Um, there are different kind of deployments that, that, that strategy that, that you can choose. But for example, uh, you can use, uh, uh, HDDs, for example. And, uh, the, so the key part is to have two different devices, uh, one for journal and one for storage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we can have low latency. So you can use RAID to do that, have multiple disks, and then use RAID and create different RAID groups. And um, t- 
taking advantage of rate, uh, rate controller, uh, battery-baked write, write cache can ensure that you have low okay. latency on the journal. And okay. this is also sequential write, and then and then you don't need to use SSDs for the for storage because all the, all the all the all the data is flashing background, and then all the reads will must will must be sequential. So you can have a, the very big HDDs, and uh, as, as long as you can flash on the, on the journal with low latency, that that that, that is fine. So, so you say RAID not just for the striping, but basically ba- mostly for the caching on the RAID controllers. Yes, okay. yes. Or the other alternative is to, is to use like SSD for for the journal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and SSD is getting cheaper all the time, and RAID yes. cards not being getting cheaper all the time. Uh, yeah, I guess at a certain point no, we get the- it break even. Yeah, the, I, I, the only, only thing with the SSDs, they have very different uh, performance uh, uh, profiles. So you had some models that have very good performance, some yeah, models yeah. they have uh, performance. So yeah, if you've got the enterprise and the commodity versions, right? Yes, so it's, uh, it's, it's not something that you can say, okay, just take the SSD and, and you're good. You have to make sure that you have, you have the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. D- details matter, as always, in these things. <laughs> yes. Um, what, what does, so, I mean, that's, that's more, I guess, for, for, the, for the on-prem side of things. What does a, you know, what does a, a cloud architecture for Pulsar look like? So you, you can deploy it on the cloud on, and uh, either, either just using the VM and deploying using uh, some, some uh, scripting to, to to deploy, or you can. Uh, we we also have like Kubernetes uh, mm-hmm. recipes, and uh, and everything is is ready ready to run in Kubernetes. So you can deploy on Google Container Engine with uh, with a single command, for example, the whole cluster, or or in AWS as well. So it's kind of very easy. There's a very low entry barrier to to do a a realistic deployment on 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 cloud. I'm going to put my Microsoft hat on for just a second because reading your blogs, you mentioned Google and you mentioned Amazon. They don't mention Azure, so I'm a bit sad. But oh, apart, yeah. from that, <laughs> <laughs> apart from that, uh, you did notice, you did mention that for the storage layer, you need low latency. Typically on a cloud, your storage is in a separate rack somewhere because your cloud storage is always separate, even if you have so-called direct attached disks. Uh, you also usually have on the VM uh, something usually called an ephemeral disk, something that's really on the chassis itself. But if you oh. shut down your VM or move your VM, you, you lose that one. Now, that ephemeral oh. disk has the lowest possible latency. Do you need that, or is it sufficient to have a attached disk? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming S3 block storage, that that's just going to be too slow. That's not going to work sufficiently. Mm-hmm. Yes. But is a attached how can I say this, a remotely attached, attached disk enough? Or do I need those real ephemeral close-in-the-chassis disks? Uh, depends on the cloud provider. We mm-hmm. tried, uh, uh, I haven't personally tried on, on Azure, but I, <laughs> I <have> tried on, <laughs> on uh, uh, we, we did try on, 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 on different providers. And so, for example, uh, in AWS, you want to use the, the local disk, possibly SSDs, mm-hmm. because they have the, the very good throughput and latency. On uh, Google Cloud, is prob- there is there is the it is it is uh, a 
advertised as a local disk, but the, there's, the latency is in the 20 milliseconds range. Okay. So it's, yeah. it's, not, it's local, but it's, it's local. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there is like a very good throughput. Okay. The, the throughput is, is, is very great, but uh, the latency is uh, there is some optimization there that, that yeah. trades latency for, for throughput. So yeah. at, at, at that point, that even if you use like a, a, a remote attached disk, uh, then that that sometimes even have lower latency than a local disk. Yeah, just pure local draw, what chassis you land on at that point. But but, but but yeah, so the the whole model of Bookkeeper is to is to write on 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 a, on a local ephemeral disk, right? Yeah. And, of course, uh, and yeah. go ahead. Yes, and if that machine is dies, then mm-hmm. Bookkeeper is is able to uh, re basically reform the replication factor that that you that you wanted so if you say that i want three copies of, of my data yeah, now yeah, yeah. one one node is down the bookkeeper will take care of recop auto, automatically behind the scene we yeah. basically create another copy yeah we didn't touch that yet but so basically bookkeeping also takes uh, they have a red and a black book uh, bookkeeping going simultaneously keeping re- re- redundant copies of everything if you want that yeah hey. Yeah, great. So if, if if you say three copies, you you need to be sure that that you have three copies always. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah because for ephemeral disks, you have to take that into account because you never know VMs just can get rebooted for maintenance, for example. You have no control; it just happens, mm-hmm. and you lose your disk there. So, but that's uh, solved and done. Okay, great. And again, if you need help with Azure, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Wait. <Sure. laughs> So, I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, Pulsar's been uh, in the Apache uh, Foundation for a year now. Um, there's been sort of, obviously, it's it's matured a lot uh, in a relatively short period of time. Where, where do things like, um, you know, when you're talking about enterprise adoption, there's a, definitely a set of things that people expect to see uh, within any any infrastructure they're deploying. So where do things like um, Kerberos um, support and uh, and security kind of sit in this space? I'm guessing security from a multi-tenants uh, perspective is, is is already in place? That's great. So uh, secure, authentication and authorization framework are already in there. So the mm-hmm. auto, authentication is pluggable and the, the current implementation so we have a couple of implementation in the open source uh, space. With one is the mutual mutual TLS certificates and uh, Atens, which is uh, an authentication uh, system by Yahoo, is open source as well. And um, Kerberos is something that we've been uh, thinking uh, for for a while, and we we have to do it at some point. So <laughs> yes. uh, that sounds uh, like a very enthusiastic yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to bite the Kerberos bullet at some point, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. And this is something that is is like not based on on volunteers doing that on on, on their spare time. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and and so you mentioned that sort of you've got essentially sort of authentication and authorization. Is it to the level of you know sort of role based access control? So you know certain uh, certain consumers or producers can perform certain operations, certain others can't. You know that sort of level of detail. That's correct. 
So, nice. um, so the, yeah, typically what you do is that you have these namespaces and you can say, I'm granting permission to this principal to be to either publish or consume on the, on the on all the topics for the, this namespace, mm-hmm. and uh, and this, it, and the principal basically is something that is extracted by the authentication plugin. So if you use TLS, that basically will be your common name. So you can create as many certificates as you as you need, and, uh, and you can identify different sets of machines with that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, so. I mean, where else um, apart from apart from Yahoo is uh, Pulsar already being being used in anger? Uh, so the one of the, of the biggest users outside uh, Yahoo is Yahoo Japan, which mm-hmm. is effectively a, a completely separate company. Mm-hmm. Yep. They yeah actually add us uh, in the, in the even before open sourcing the the, the project. Uh, other companies, there are, there are some uh, e-commerce companies in South America, the Color Libre, there is uh, IBM Cloud that we're using that, weather.com uh, was using that, and uh, and few other smaller companies. Nice, nice. So already already starting to, to, to gain world domination and adoption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so where does the where does the future sort of roadmap lie for for Pulsar? Obviously, you know, not, not asking you to uh, um, share any any trade secrets, but where where's you where may, the Apache no problem. community? <laughs> yeah, but where's the Apache community heading heading with this? Uh, what what are the the next features coming down the line? Uh, so m- many of the things that we're trying to do is is mostly on the in the uh, ease of use. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're trying to basically to lower lower the barrier of the for people to try out the the, the the system and to and to either either get started very easily or to migrate very easily. Uh, mm-hmm. So for example, like we just added a, a a Kafka API wrapper, so that if you have a Kafka application, you can just swap the jar. And with no code changes, you can just point to a Pulsar broker, and that should work uh, without any code change. And uh, this this is one thing. Uh, Other um, other like mid mid term features we are trying to basically build uh, integrate Pulsar with a schema registry. This is something that many 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 users are really eager to have. So we we are well. We, we have to do it, um, and uh, more down the road is uh, we have yeah lots of idea to uh, <laughs> to make it uh, uh, easier and uh, and and more integrated with with other systems. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but both itself, you assume uh, you would say is so the, feature complete at this point, uh, uh, more or less. So also, uh, as, as a okay, go I, ahead. no, I say the feature complete. So, in terms of the abstraction, yes, mm-hmm. uh, there is. So, if you say for for features that like uh, like I don't know, uh, having more more tooling to to do things better or to um, or to have better operations uh, in the in the system, that's that's never complete, right? Sure. 
So it's going to be evolution that you think is better, adopting new technologies. So I, I mean, I, when, when, I it think... com- when it comes to things like ease of use, that, that there's one of the areas that you're you're sort of focusing on. Uh, are we likely to see um, it, it? It does seem quite focused around the the developer use case right now. Um, are we looking to see sort of more, um, you know, web-based configuration? That that sort of ease of use, or is it still kind of building up API layers and things like that? CG, uh, I I think uh, easy to use actually coming from uh, multiple angles. Uh, it's like uh, from end user, you might expect the tooling uh, like uh, web UI. Uh, and a bunch of these kind of uh, very simple uh, to start, very simple to deploy, and very simple to operate. This is one angle for uh, mm-hmm. for the people who actually using it and operate it. And the other the other way is uh, from from developer perspective is how you can easily integrate uh, Pulsar with uh, the other systems that we. Uh, like p- typically see meshing is a connect connecting piece to the whole like uh uh and uh the, your data pipeline or your data infrastructure and uh uh in that case is you want to be uh posa as a community you want to be uh evolved or be in uh uh in inter- inter- interacting with any other system, even a big data system. So that requires some sort of uh, connecting uh, ecosystem. And uh, we actually uh, working, uh, I mean, a bunch of the uh, 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 organization uh, in the uh, Pulsar community try to uh, sort of building around uh, open connecting, open connector ecosystem. Uh, this is not just for Pulsar, but for uh, also other messaging systems. And that is actually a good effort that we have been uh, doing for PASA is we want to uh, PASA evolve in a more open uh, standard space and in, in interacting with uh, other uh, uh, other ecosystem or other systems in the open open API. And that actually uh, we recently uh, work with uh, Alibaba, DD, and also Yahoo. Uh, around uh, the messaging system Pulsar and also the messaging system uh, that Alibaba developed, which is also in uh, a project called LockMQ. We try to build some kind of open uh, API, open standard around the messaging space. So that means uh, from user and application perspective, they ne- they just need use an open standard rather than uh, I need to write uh, our application for one messaging system, and if uh, if uh, I want to move to in a different place, I want to change it. That that is sort of uh, became uh, create some sort of barrier for users. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Pulsar want to do from uh, ecosystem perspective, we want to uh, be the the open be doing things in open space, and that's why. Uh, that that is one direction that we also heading down, and uh, in terms of like the feature completion, I would say as a core system, the messaging features uh, we uh, Pulsar already uh, have 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 building the the complete uh, the the pops up mo- uh, sorry pop, uh, flexible pops up uh, messaging model, and it also uh, recently in the last release it also at the uh, effectively, once uh, published 
supported by uh, guaranteed delivery messages. So that is also a complete uh, delivery model for uh, POSA. So I, I would say in the core side is much more completed and we are sort of building the, the next step for, uh, as a community, we want to be more uh, interacting uh, with developers, interacting with users. So that, that is sort of the direction I can feel, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, also, any plans of expanding the SDK language support? Because at the moment you have uh, API support for C++, Java, and Python, if I'm, if I'm correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. There are some people working on uh, on on a Go uh, library, uh-huh. and uh, is but on on a way. So what we try to do is to basically to leverage the C library, which because it is already very mature and it is using production for a long time at Yahoo. So uh, being a wrapper on top of that C client library is much easier than yeah. writing the whole library because Maybe it seems easy empty. to write a client library, but there is a lot of details that that you find out down the road and <laughs> lot lot of debugging effort. Uh, no, great. Fantastic. Um I actually had another question about the you mentioned um uh one of the roadmap items was kind of integration into schema registry which uh, I agree is definitely something I'm seeing popping up more and more um mm-hmm. especially over the last 12 months or so so do you have any feelings as to which of the uh, many schema registries you're likely to be looking at or is that still tbd i still tbd but our intention basically is to uh make that as a as a as a pluggable uh uh implementation so we don't want to okay. have all the all the cons- consumers interacting directly with the schema registry mm-hmm. there are Many reasons. So, this 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 system is also typically not super 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 scalable even. So you can bring them down very easily. So mm-hmm. uh, we think about uh, augmenting the, the semantic of schema registry in the in the API itself, and basically have the producer consumers interacting with the brokers, and the broker might have different backend for schema registry. Got it. Got it. So pluggable architecture for, for schema registry, potentially multiple options that depending on what an organization already has deployed. Correct. Nice. Okay. Um, I, I don't think I have anything else. I think we've, we've grilled you both very, very thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's been fun. Yes, it was. Um, so, I mean, anything either of either of you would like to uh, to tell our audience? Anything else that we we've missed? I think that was pretty thorough. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Excellent. Then Dave has one more question for you. I do, okay. I do indeed. So, uh, so one of the things we like to do on our, our interviews, um, we we started this thing very much focused around, uh, yeah, Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem. And we've we've branched out a lot since then, but uh, it's still very much at our core. And what we like to do is ask uh, our guests to define Hadoop in uh, one sentence or less to someone that's never heard of Hadoop before. So uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a few seconds for that to, to sort of settle in. And then, Mateo, uh, if, you, if you could go first, uh, how would you define Hadoop to something, uh, someone that has never heard of it before? 
Okay, so yeah, so, so, so we say that is a uh, is a is an ensemble of of projects that are all like related to the, to uh, to the processing of of large amounts of of data in uh, in different ways. So to store store data and to uh, analyze data at at large scale. Perfect. Perfect. And Siji, uh, uh, how about you? How would you define uh, Hadoop to someone that's never heard of it before? Okay. Uh, I think uh, Hadoop uh, is uh, the ecosystem around uh, big data processing that was uh, inspired by Google's infrastructure, like uh, 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 GFS, MapReduce, and big data, and it has evolved in as a startup open source uh, framework and ecosystem uh, for storing uh, historical data, processing historical data in very a very large scale. Perfect. Beautiful. Hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent well i mean I, I can't thank you enough uh mateo cg it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh thank you for ans- answering uh all of our many many questions about apache pulsar yeah i've um, learned a ton so i hope because our users also uh, are very you help through this absolutely absolutely anything else from you Jan? Uh, nope, I think we will let these the very nice gentlemen uh, live on with their life. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, yeah, thank, thanks thank very much, both of you. Yeah, absolutely, you're very welcome. Uh, thank you very much, both of you, for your time. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing more and hearing more about Apache Pulsar in the future. Yeah, sure. thank you so much for being in, in a uh, podcast and hosting uh, two of us. And uh, it's great. It's it, it was a great talk that uh, share all the uh, experience with Pulsar and how do we think about this space. Thank you so much. Thank you. Perfect. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And that is about all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data with our guests. We will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter, of course, using the at Hadoopcast tag, and also contact us by email. Send your letters to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Give us any thoughts, comments, criticisms, and any other feedback you may have. Until that next time, my name is still Jon. My name is still Dave. And we still look forward to talking to you next week. See you then.